0: So tonight we're starting a new series and it's called the big plan It's about does God have a plan for your life what does that entail and so tonight uh, kind of you know if you remember when Phil, who is the dad on honored family, he jumps on the car now only Phil would do this to think that would stop the car because all of us would be like, get in the, se- in the driver's seat, stop it, put it in park, do something, but he just jumps on the hood and his wife, Claire, yells, what's the plan, Phil? Like, what are you doing, idiot? Uh, and so that gave me the idea for this sermon is what's the plan, God? But don't add idiot there because that would be very bad and you might get, and that would not be good for you. So what's the plan, God? Now, how many of you uh, at some point or another has, has thought, you know, does God have a plan for my life? Is there, is there a plan to my life? Who's, who's thought that? What's, what's, what's the plan, God? Yeah, sixth graders. All right. I, it started for me in junior high of wondering, what am I going to do with my life, right? And this is even bigger for those who are about to graduate, right? Okay, now how many of you seniors are very, very scared uh, for what's going to happen after high school? Who's scared? All right, Anna Lynn is very, very terrified. All right. Out of you seniors, who says you know the plan that God has for your life? You know it. You're all liars. I rebuke you. All right, they might know the plan that God has for them. I don't know if he's revealed it to them. But some of us, we didn't. We don't know the plan God has for our life. Really quick, I'm so sorry, little blurb. I want to give a shout out to everybody that did fine arts on Saturday. If you were in fine arts on Saturday, all of you, everybody, you guys just did such an incredible job. Um, They were fantastic. And if you didn't come, I love you less. So, uh, I'm kidding. But they were fantastic. Uh, Sarah Martin, I know one for Drama Solo, just, that's, that was... Whoa big. Whoa big. and I'll do more shout outs later on, maybe in the middle of sermon, I'll be like, hey, Kyler, he passed in like three things, so yeah, Kyler, uh, but um, so really proud of you guys, all right, now back to what is the plan God has for your life, and in sixth grade, I had to do a little assessment that was like, what would, like based upon my skills, what would I be, and it said lawyer, and I was like, yeah, I want to be a lawyer, and, it, and at that point, I, did you say lawyered? Okay. At that point, I tried to develop my argumentative skills, and I practiced those with my father, because we like to argue a lot. Uh, so I thought I was going to be a lawyer. And then later on, I met a teacher who said she was a Christian and a Democrat. And I said, if that don't mix. Please talk to me more about your life. And uh, and so uh, we talked and I gained some, some new perspective and a new passion in politics and, and uh, finding out what it meant to be a Republican, a Democrat, what it meant to be in politics. And so I thought maybe I'm going to be a politician. And then I realized what a dirty, crooked life that would be. So I said, okay, surely that's not the plan God has for me. And I entered high school and I was a freshman in high school. And to those of you who plays basketball, plays basketball, okay i I, at ninth grade, don't ask me why, I tried to make it up in my mind. I was like, it's possible for me to go to the NBA. It's possible. I was like, I'm going to hit a giant growth spurt. I know I'm going to go. I'm going to get 6'7". I'm going to start practicing my ball skills. I'm going to get ripped, and I'm going to be able to go into the NBA. And then I got on the team. I didn't even make varsity my freshman year, and I learned that if you're going to be in the NBA, you better make varsity your freshman year, uh, unless you're Michael Jordan. So I did not have the faith that he had, that that was the plan God had for my life. I thought I was going to, I thought I was going to be the NBA. That obviously is not the case uh, right now. Uh, freshman year, I went into my guidance counselor's office because I thought, you know what? God's call is to, for me to make a lot of money. To make a lot of money, I got to go to an Ivy League school. That school is Princeton because Princeton is beautiful. So I went into the guidance counselor's office. I said, what do I got to do to get into Princeton? God called me to go to Princeton. And he just kind of like laughed at me, and that really irked me. And I was like, I, I like had the requirements to get in. I was like, I need a second language. We only offer Spanish. Can I take French somewhere else? And he was just kind of like, Do what you want, buddy. And again, I did not go to Princeton. I went to Evangel University. No knock on Evangel, that is not Princeton University, and I'm not rich. So I failed in every area that I thought God called me to be. And so some of you, you're going to be like me. You're going to experience these moments of, I think this is my call, and then you're going to find out, no, it wasn't. So the first thing we have to ask is, is there even a plan? Is there even a plan? And a verse that we look to a lot for this. Who knows the verse? Don't say it. Raise your hand if you, if you think you know the verse. Okay. Alrighty. We're going to talk about that verse. And that verse is Jeremiah 29, 11. And there's something wrong with us using this verse to say that God has a plan for our life. But let's read it. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. Now, a lot of us, it's hiding from you. You'll deal with it. Uh, I'll be reading it to you. And so a lot of us, who, who, this is on t-shirts. This is on posters. If someone says, does God have a plan for my life? The response is, Jeremiah 29, 11. I have a plan to prosper you and give you hope and a future. And what we need to see here is that... Uh, this is this is not talking to you. This verse is not talking to you. And why is that? And we've got to set up the picture. And in order to understand the text, you have to understand the context surrounding it. So who's saying this? Who is this person saying it to? And the person talking here is, take a big guess. God. Jeremiah, because the book is named after him. It's right there. The prophet Jeremiah. Now, Now, Israel was separated into two kingdoms, okay? And the southern kingdom was called Judah, right? History lesson, Judah, okay? Now, Judah has rejected God in every way, having idols, uh, breaking God's commandments. And so poor Jeremiah, his job is to just warn the people of Judah. He's like constantly, like chapters 1 through 28, he's like, guys, please stop sinning. Or God is going to destroy you. Please stop it. And so what happens is King Nebuchadnezzar, which we know King Nebuchadnezzar from other stories, but he's, from, he's the king of Babylon, and they go and they conquer Judah. Alright? So we're here and he's con- they've conquered Judah. The Jews are in Israel, but they're under Babylonian rule, the country of Babylon. And so, in this in-between verse in 29... What we're seeing is Judah is saying, I see that you guys are still not going to stop. You're still not going to repent. And so God said you're going to be punished. That there's going to be another, like Babylon's, because you keep rejecting and you keep fighting against Babylon, now they're going to utterly destroy your city. And so that's what happens is Babylon just wrecks Jerusalem and then takes them out of Jerusalem, okay? And so how do we know this? We know this in the verse right before 11, Jeremiah twenty nine ten. This is what the Lord says. When 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will come to you and fulfill my good promise to bring you back to this place. So what God's saying is, hey, you guys are sinning, so you're going to be in exile. You're going to be under Babylonian rule for 70 years. That's your punishment. And then after 70 years, I'm going to bring you back. So verse 10 is, here's your punishment Verse 11 is, but I want you to know it's not forever. I'm going to bring you back. I have plans to bring you back, and they're going to be good. Okay? So if we're sitting here and we're saying, all right, so if this verse, what he's talking to Judah here in 11, I have plans to prosper you, if we say that that's talking to us, then is God also telling us that you and me are going to be in exile for 70 years? No. So why would we say verse 11 applies to us, verse 10 does not? Okay? Sometimes in the Bible, when things are written, they're written to everyone. The truth that is in there applies to everyone. And then sometimes it's applied to a specific people, a specific time, a specific place. And that's what's happening here. So then that leads me to the question of Does God have a plan for your life? If Jeremiah 2911 doesn't answer it, then then what does? And that leads us to Psalm 139, 13 through 16. is God took so much time and took every little delicate, complex detail to create each and every one of you individually. And then he says, every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. So if God took so much time to create you, saw you before you were born, watched you as you formed... And then says that he sees the days that, that will come before you. in the, the very beginning of that, that he developed the innermost parts of you. That's almost even saying that God was preparing you ahead of time for what you're going to face. So wouldn't right here that we already see that if God cares so much about how you were made, he would care about how you live out your days. He, care, he cares so much about your days that he, he sees them. Every moment is laid out before a single day has passed. He, he, of course, you have a, God has a plan for your life. And we can also see this in Ephesians 2, uh, verse 10. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. So we have a plan. God's recorded our days. What are we to do with that plan? What are we supposed to do? We are supposed to do good works, because we are Christ's handiwork. We're created to do good works, um, they are very loud children over there. They are distracting me. How are they? Are you? How are you guys doing? I know. They are annoying. I will make sure to let them know how annoying they are later. So, so the plan, the plan laid out before you, the plan is to live out your purpose. The plan is to live out your purpose, and what is that purpose? To do good works. To do good works. And so this got me thinking, some of us are Josephs, and some of us are Judas. All right? What does that mean? Some of us are Josephs, and if you don't know the story of Joseph, we're going to start off right here, in that Joseph is given a dream, and it's a dream of his future, and we read it right here in Genesis 37, 5-10. Joseph had a dream, and when he told it to his brothers, they hated him all the more. He said to them, listen to this dream I had. We were binding sheaves of grain out in the field when suddenly my sheaf rose and stood upright, while your sheaves gather around mine and bow down to it. His brothers said to him, do you intend to reign over us? Will you actually rule us? And they hated him all the more because of his dream and what he had said and then he goes on and he has another dream. So for some of you maybe you're 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 kind of like Joseph and that God has given you a picture of where he wants you to go with your life. All right, when I entered uh, college, my freshman year, I realized my purpose is to do good works. So what is that good work? Is to grow the kingdom. How am I going to do it? How am I going to grow the kingdom? How am I going to bring people to Christ? And I was like, I really like talking to people. I really talk to people about their problems. I'm going to go into counseling and psychology. So enter entered the counseling and psychology field. So some of you, maybe God has revealed to you something that, that you're going to do with your life. And maybe it's Hannah here who can dance majestically. And maybe God has revealed to her in a dream. Or just she realizes that I'm going to dance one day for Jesus as a job. Uh, maybe it's whatever you guys have. Some of you believe you're, you're called to preach. Some of you are called to sweep floors. Some of you are called to uh, type in numbers and be an accountant. You, 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 you feel this direct call that God's already revealed this in your life. You feel like this is absolutely going to happen. Probably not going to be an NBA player. I don't think anybody in here is going to be an NBA player. But maybe you, you feel like Joseph and you've been given a glimpse of what God has for you. And That's awesome. But then some of us are Judas. And Judah is a brother of Joseph. Okay? Some of us are Judas. And some of us we would kill to have a little glimpse of what our future is gonna be like. I mean, how many seniors? You would love to know exactly the steps that you're supposed to take and exactly what the future is supposed to be like so that you can accomplish it, so you can do it right. And and, and, and I remember after my freshman year, which I was very lazy. Uh, I was really burnt out. I thought, there's no way I'm called to counseling. There's no way because I'm going to get burnt out. I don't want to listen to people's problems all day. And I felt like Judah, like, God, I keep trying and failing, thinking this is what I'm supposed to do, and it's not. And I felt like Judah. And so what do we know about Judah? One, Judah doesn't have any dreams. He's not given this grandiose dream where his brothers bow down to him. Judah is also not the eldest son. And why that's important is the eldest son was given the largest inheritance, Got the largest blessing. The eldest son was more important than everybody else. So if you were a middle child, youngest child, eh, weren't as important in this culture. So some of us maybe feel like Judah. Like we don't have any plans and we don't feel like God's called us to anything. That maybe sometimes makes us feel like we're not special. Because Joseph, I mean, the dude had a rainbow coat dreams from God he felt mighty special some of us would kill to feel a little special and get a glimpse of what it's supposed to look like so how does judah come to know the plan god has for his life and let's read genesis 37:23 through 27 so when joseph came to his brothers they stripped him of his robe the ornate robe he was wearing and they took him and threw him into the cistern a pit the pit was empty. There was no water in it. As they sat down to eat their meal, they looked up and saw a caravan of Ishmaelites coming from Gilead. Their camels were loaded with spices, balm and myrrh, and they were on their way to take them down to Egypt. Judah said to his brothers, "We, What will we gain if we kill our brother and cover up his blood? Come, let's sell him to the Ishmaelites and not lay our hands on him. After all, he is our brother, our own flesh and blood, his brothers agreed. So Judah somehow is sort of the good guy in this situation. He said, hey, instead of killing him, let's sell him as a slave. I'm still going to say he's still a bad guy. He's a good guy for being a bad guy in this situation. So they hated Joseph. They were jealous of Joseph. And so they they plotted to kill him. Instead, sold him. And so Judah's life is uh, not going great right now. And it ends up getting worse because he ends up marrying, after this point, marries a woman uh, from Canaan. Which, we talked about that if you married outside of Israel. If you married a woman outside of that, they were not a follower of God. So it was like marrying a non-Christian. So he marries a woman that doesn't follow God. And then he ends up having three sons. He has Ur, Onan, and Shelah. And Ur found him a beautiful bride named Tamar. Okay, so eldest son, Tamar. Ur was wicked, God killed him. Onan was wicked. We won't get into that story. God killed him. All right? And so uh, what you need to realize there is that it was customary that if the eldest brother married a wife, okay, and they had no children, that was your your retirement. If you had a baby boy, if you had a a male offspring, then that boy would grow up and he would make a living so that the woman could survive. But Ur, no children. So then it was the duty of the, the next brother to marry Tamar. Like, that was the rule, and that was a good rule. That's that that why women didn't die of starvation or weren't homeless. It was to protect women. So then the brother, Onan, he, uh, he marries Tamar, and then he does some wicked things, and then he dies. And so who's next is little, little Shelah. And right now, Judah, he's not registering what's actually happening. He's not recognizing that his sons have died because of their evil, he thinks that uh, Tamar is the, is, the, is the common denominator. She's the reason they're dying, all right? So he is terrified to give Shayla to Tamar. He does not want that to happen. So he says to her, hey, I'll give you in marriage to my last, youngest son when he's old enough. So obviously Shayla is young. Well, some years pass, Okay. And uh, Judah's just walking through the streets with his son, Shayla, and Tamar sees them a few years later. And Shayla's old enough now, and Tamar realizes, oh, Judah's trying to trick me. Judah's trying to, 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 to not have me marry Shayla. And this was very important to her, because this was her livelihood. She would be utterly poor. She would be homeless if she does not get a husband, because no one else is going to want to marry her. She's been married twice. That is, that would, nobody would want her She's getting older, her two past husbands have died mysteriously, so it's really hard for her to find a husband, so it's very important that she marries Shayla. It is her right, and it is, what, it is what the right thing to do, and Judah's doing the wrong thing by not giving his son to her. And so, she plays a dirty, dirty trick on Judah. And Judah's wife die, dies, and Judah, how we see here, who sold his own brother into slavery, he is obviously not following God, Right? Well, he's very lonely after his wife passes away. So uh, Tamar decides that she's going to dress up like a prostitute. And she tricks Judah into sleeping with her. And then she gets pregnant by him. Alrighty. So Judah uh, sells his brother into slavery. He impregnates his daughter-in-law. Judah is having quite a rough time, I would say. Judah is not living out God's plan for him because he is not living out God's purpose for him. What is God's purpose? To do good works for him. So Judah is not living that out. And now some of us are saying, okay, why isn't the plan working out for me? You know, After my freshman year, God, why isn't this plan working out for me? Why, are, why is nothing being revealed? Maybe you're a junior, senior, and you're saying, God, I have no idea still where to go to college. Some of you in junior high are saying, I don't know where I'm going to college, or I don't know if I'm going to college. There's so many decisions. You say, I don't know. And the first thing I want to point to is, are you not living out the purpose God has for your life? Because if you're not living out the purpose, He can't reveal the plan to you. So what does that mean? Are you being obedient? Is Jesus the number one relationship in your life? Because if he's not, then he's not going to reveal any sort of plan to you. Some of you may feel like Judah, and why do I deserve a plan? I don't feel worthy of a plan. And you may be feeling those feelings of, I'm not special. I don't think God has a plan for my life. And I would say, I don't think any of you are as bad of a position as Judah I don't think any of you have dead sons and impregnated your daughter-in-law. That is none of you. So that's good, okay? But some of you may be in a rough spot. Maybe you have a rough spot in your life. You're saying, I don't feel like I even deserve a plan from God. And if we look at Romans 8.38, we see that nothing, nothing can separate us from God's love. Nothing you can do, no sin that you can commit is more powerful than the sacrifice that Jesus paid. Nothing. And so, if Judah, if God has a plan for Judah's life, then absolutely God has a plan for your life. Even if you are far off from God as Judah is, there is still hope for you. So let's see how is this hope uh, seen in Judah's life. So the brothers are tested. Uh, if you don't know the story of Joseph, I'm going to skim over it. We may talk about it a little later in this series. Joseph goes through prison, goes through tough times, and eventually becomes second in command of Egypt. So he kinda, the plan was fulfilled for Joseph. All right? He's second in command. There's a giant famine. All the brothers that uh, sold him into slavery now have to go to Egypt, where Joseph is, to buy food. And they get there, they don't recognize Joseph. Joseph recognizes them, and Joseph is ticked, as he should be. So he decides that he wants to test them, because he wants to know if they've changed, because if they haven't changed, he's going to ruin their lives. He is that angry. And I'm sure some of us would feel the same anger. And we'd want them to go through what we went through, which Joseph was in prison for over two years, so I would want my brothers that sold me into slavery to also be in prison, and be a slave for over 13 years. So, Joseph decides to test his brothers, and how he does this is he says, hey, where's your youngest brother, which is Benjamin, and Benjamin's not with them when they go, and the reason why Benjamin's not with them is because he is the youngest child. Jacob, their father, loves Benjamin probably more than the rest of them. Some problems in parenting. If your parents have favoritism, it's not your fault. It's theirs. Uh, there's, there's, some, there's some favoritism there, so Jacob said Benjamin can't go, and so Joseph sees that Benjamin's in a similar place that he was in. You know, he was, he was favored, and do his brothers hate Benjamin now? Have they changed at all? And so he says, you need to bring your brother with you, or your spies, or you're lying to me. And so they're like, we can't bring our brother. Our father won't let him come. And so he says, I don't care. And so he locks up Simeon, one of his brothers, puts him in prison, and says, next time you come back, you better come back with your brother, or Simeon's going to rot in prison. And then what really surprises me, and we're not going to show the text up here, they go back home, and all the food that they, ate, uh, that they bought, they ate it all up, all right? I wonder, how, like, they traveled all the way to Egypt. How much food, if you guys were going all the way to Egypt, how much food would you get? Enough for a couple days, a couple months, a couple years? You'd probably get a ton of food, right? So they go all the way back home, which just is just so funny. They must have really hated Simeon. And so they ate all the food that they bought, before there's a really big ruckus of, okay, we need to go back and get more food now, and I guess maybe we should save Simeon. Uh, They don't even mention Simeon. They kind of more talk about how we need to go back and get more food because we've ran out and we're going to die. So, poor Simeon. Um, And so, uh, Jacob is saying, no, you're not bringing Benjamin. They say, okay, then they're not going to give us food and we're all going to die. And so, Reuben, who is the eldest, he makes his proposal to father. Then Reuben said to his father, you may put both of my sons to death if I do not bring him back to you. Entrust him to my care and I will bring him back. How many of you are okay with Reuben's proposal? How many of you think that that is a good proposal? Okay, it's all right. I felt the same way. When I first read this, I was like, oh man, he is really sacrificing it. But then, oh man, he's really sacrificing his two sons. Let me tell you what's not godly. If you ever say, let me place a bet with you. Alright? The Pittsburgh Steelers are going to win. Oh, I promise you the death of my sister. Right? That would be terrible. That's what's going on here. He's saying, I'm going to put my sons on the line. And so what he's saying is, I'm putting um, myself before them. Right? So Reuben still has some problems. Okay? He's not willing to put his life down for Benjamin. We see that Reuben has not changed. And then Judah steps up to the plate. Judah said to Israel, his father, Israel is just another name for Jacob in this story, send the boy along with me and we will go at once so that we and you and our children may live and not die. I myself will guarantee his safety. You can hold me personally responsible for him. If I do not bring him back to you and set him here before you, I will bear the blame before you all my life. As it is, if we had not delayed, we could have gone and returned twice. So we see the difference here between between Judas' proposal, Judas saying, not my sons you can kill, but instead, just put me, I'll be the blame. I'll face his punishment. I'll face all the shame for this. I will put myself before Benjamin. And this is a radical change, because everything that's happened before this, everything we talked about, how you know the daughter-in-law, all that stuff, that happened all before this. And he decides, you know what? I'm going to live out my purpose. And That purpose is to put others first. That's a good work that Christ calls us to do: is to put others first. Obedience to your purpose reveals the plan. So then Jacob, as he's about to die, uh, decides to bless his sons. And uh, if you read these blessings, they're not—I would not call them blessings. He's like Reuben: "You're very powerful, but from now on, you're actually going to be pathetic." And it's like, there's your blessing. How would you like it if that was your la- the last words your mother or father said to you before they, before they passed away? That would be terrible if they just said, you are terrible. I, I think his last words, you have defiled my couch. Get out. I, you have defiled it. Like, man, Reuben did not live up to the plate. And we know Judah. Judah who uh, sold his brother into slavery. Judah who committed all these sins living in a marriage outside of God. Judah. Your brothers will praise you. Your hand will be on the neck of your enemies. Your father's sons will bow down to you. You are a lion's cub, Judah. You return from the prey, my son, like a lion he crouches and lies down like a lioness. Who dares to rouse him? The scepter, okay, what is a scepter? It's like something that people in power or authority have. The scepter will not depart from Judah, nor the ruler's staff from between his feet until he to whom it belongs shall come, and the obedience of the nations shall be his. So we're seeing this verbiage here that uh, kingship or royalty will be Judah's. Judah? The guy that did all of this? As you go through, you'll see that the Messiah, Jesus Christ, came through the bloodline of Judah. You see, when when you live out God's purpose, God will reveal you the plan. Judah was so far off the path, and then when he decided to be obedient to God, God pulled him back, put him back on the path to the plan, and blessed him. So to those of you who are not living out your purpose, I would say if you want to know the plan, which is a wonderful and glorious plan that God has for your life, you need to live out your purpose. You need to be obedient to God. And to those of you that are living out the purpose and you're saying, oh man, I am not seeing anything. You're saying if I live out the purpose, God will reveal the plan. I'm saying if, uh, more saying if you live out the purpose, you will be on the plan. Whatever that plan is. And God will choose to reveal to you parts of it however he chooses, because we even look at Joseph. And God revealed to him a dream at 17 years old, and then 13 years later, that came into existence. He was in slavery in between there. That maybe there's going to be times, maybe 13 years, that God's not going to give you an absolute, clear, open door that, that you see that you need to walk through. Maybe you're going to be imprisoned in a way for 13 years. But what we see with Joseph is he never stopped living out his purpose. So to you who are saying, I don't know what God has for me, keep living out your purpose and then trust God with that plan. So is there a plan? Absolutely. Duh, there is a plan for your life. You're the most valuable creature in the entire world to God. And I'm gonna leave you with a quote from Scott Wilson in his book, Act Normal. Too often we spend all our efforts trying to get God to bless our agenda, instead of coming to him with a blank piece of paper and asking him to show us. So many times I was trying to say, God, this is my calling. Make it happen. And uh, instead of saying, God, I'm just going to follow you, and you show me what you want me to do. And so tonight, um, I'm just going to leave you with this question. Are you living out your purpose and giving the plans to God. Let's pray. God, thank you for these students. Thank you for this night that they could come. And God, I pray that they know how valuable and important they are. That no matter how far off the path they may be, no matter what sins they are in, that your sacrifice is more powerful than anything. God, I pray that they uh, turn to you to get back on the path for their life God, that they live out their purpose, which is to be a son and daughter of you, to live like Jesus, to put others first, to trust you. So God, I pray for the Judas of this room that are off the path that they would turn to you and know that you quickly and swiftly put them right back on it. God, I pray for those that are frustrated They say, God, I, am, I, I have been a Christian. I have followed you. I have prayed to you, I come every Wednesday night. God, I'm doing everything I can uh, for you to reveal some sort of plan to me. God, I pray for those that are frustrated, they're dealing with some impatience, that they realize that you're good, that you have good plans for them, and that they keep living out their purpose, that you will reveal to them their plan, and they will live it out. God, I just end on um, just really emphasizing again that each of these students is very valuable They are loved by you, and you desire to have a relationship with each and every one of them. Amen.